Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's so good to be with you here tonight. Pastor was not able to be here tonight. Uh, prayers with him, and how many appreciate your pastor here tonight? Amen. And uh, it's cold outside, ain't it? I don't know if I'm ready for this cold, but uh, it's just that holiday season. Crowd may have uh, be a little low tonight due to just all the various small groups and just around this time of the year, everyone's doing something, amen. And um, but I believe we're still going to have church here tonight, amen, amen. If you could turn with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. Praise the Lord. I give honor to all the ministry here tonight, Pastor Nehemiah, Pastor Millick. I believe I saw Pastor Castle here, uh, somewhere here tonight, Sister Kim. And um, give honor to the First Lady of the Church, Sister Bounds. Uh, we love and, and appreciate you so much. Um, I'm just thankful to be here tonight. It says in verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and deliver us into the hands of the Midianites. And verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might, thy shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not, everyone say, have not, I sent thee. And he said unto him, O my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I want to preach something that has been uh, um, just through prayer and, and, and devotion. Uh, I want to preach to you, insecure warrior. Insecure warrior. If you could lay your Bibles down and lift, lift our hands towards heaven. And let's pray over the remainder of the service. God, I pray that you would bless the ministry of the word here tonight, God. I pray that I would not say anything more or less than what you have to say here tonight to your precious people, God. This is your sheep. This is your church, God. And I pray that we can unite together in the Holy Ghost to accomplish something in the kingdom starting now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. If you believe that the word of God is going to prevail here tonight, I want you to put your hands together and begin to praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You may be seated. And also, I failed to mention our young adults is having their uh, friends giving tonight. Um, so they are currently not in the building. My wife is not here, but um, I'm going to say anyhow, we are going to celebrate four years starting tomorrow. <laughs> Amen of marriage. And uh, I, love, I love you, Rachel, if you, by chance... Are listening to this sometimes she does sometimes she doesn't and uh, it was just uh, just just pondering today uh, sitting in the living room uh, working and um, just uh, we had some funny moments earlier on in our marriage I'll tell you one story we uh, 
we are on our honeymoon, and just like every newlywed, you have no money in the bank. And um, I was, we went to Washington, D.C., because we just planned it just right, because you can uh, spend all week there with limited money going into transportation, take the underground uh, subway, and um, more than half of the museums are free, uh, uh, free of charge. And so we just, we decided to go there, and I am um, personally am a history buff. Um, I'm not sure about Rachel. I think she just endures me. Um, but uh, that's just what we did. And I remember the first, the, probably the second night, it was on a Monday night, uh, all of our luggage was in the hotel. Uh, we were dressed up. We were ready to go probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes down the road uh, to a restaurant and have a nice time together. Uh, but knowing me, I came from a small township, a blue-collar township. Um, I, I didn't have the, the, the privilege of traveling much growing up. But when I'm in this large city, I think there's 400,000-plus people there, uh, maybe more. But I, I, I get a little anxious. Anybody like that here today? Um, don't like driving in Columbus. Don't like driving in Dallas. Um, I just do not like traffic at all, in person or in the car. Um, but uh, I, we're in this underground subway, and everything is fast-paced. You know, we're not working. It so happened to be around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, so the traffic is nearly double than what it normally is. And, and my wife, because she ha- she's had the privilege in times past being there, she told me, she said, Honey, when you go into uh, this subway, you have to pay attention to the locals. They're, they're going to show you where to stand, when to stand, because that's when, when the, the train comes, that's where the doors are going to be and when they open. Because you just have a, a small window. You can't just be standing there with your legs crossed and you're just checking your watch and just having a good old time waiting for the doors to shut or open because it's going to go whether you're ready or not. And uh, we and there was one time we were, were getting on and and all of a sudden, you know, this train comes and the, the doors automatically open up and it was like crazy. It was like 15,000 people came out of the train all like that. And I'm just nervous. And and Rachel's holding my hand. She's trying to drag me onto the train. And all of a sudden, you see some lady with a carriage, some guy uh, holding his child's hand and some guy with a massive suitcase and and dressed in suits, and they're getting off work, and all of a sudden, you know, she gets on that train, and my hands with her hands stretched out, and the doors begin to shut. They shut. She picks up on it. She just, I mean, I don't know. She, I don't know. She just became superwoman or something like out out of a blink of an eye, but she, she starts prying those doors. My Rachel, yeah. Prying those doors. She's gritting her teeth. She's like, Argh. I'm like, oh, and you know how you have split second thoughts? It's like, oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> the, those doors shut. She's twirled around. I can see her through the window, and I'm trying to yell at her, just go, just go. Don't worry about it. I'll meet up with you. And all of a sudden, those doors open back up by the grace of God. So I run, I ran into that train, and, and I'm like, oh, come on, let's get, let's get away from this door. And we slam our backs against the, the, the side of the train, and we're just sitting there, and it's just quiet. I mean, you had this whole dramatic scene, and just no one paid attention, because in those cities, everyone's listening to their AirPods, you know, earpods, whatever you call them. Just silence. We're just sitting there like, oh. all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, a lady says, if that ain't true love, I don't know what is. <laughs> and I about died afterwards. My phone was at 1% when I took it out of my pocket. But to get all the way back to the beginning of our relationship, I promise you I'm not going to preach about my marriage here tonight. <laughs> is that, you know, it started in a moment where we had uh, acquainted ourselves at a campus ministry, and um, we just, we started as friends, and we just fell in love out of that relationship. Knowing Rachel, she, um, she had, it's a term us young adults like to call bro zone. 
anyone knows what bro zone is. You get close to an individual of um, whether it's a guy or girl, and you just, they, they're real friendly, they're real kind, but uh, um, all of a sudden they just put a dagger in your heart and say, you know, you're just like a sister or brother to me. Well, that's happened to me at least once with Rachel in five years of knowing her before we got married. Many times, Pastor Nehemiah almost ruined it, the whole process. They knew it. Sister Wendy knew it. Sister Bounds knew it, uh, um, that we loved each other, and we, did, we didn't even know it. And, uh, but it came, you know, it came through this insecurity I had to work through. I had to iron out within myself that there was one night, you know, I, I, you know, we were hanging out. I'm like counting the days. I'm like, we're together 14 days straight. And every time we're supposed to meet up, we're supposed to talk about campus ministry. None of us mention anything about campus ministry. And uh, I'm like thinking, wow, maybe I have a shot. So just one night I, I had to make that forward step because she was hard to catch, hard to get. And uh, I had to overcome the fears within me or the insecurities within me to tell her how I felt. This is how insecurity works. It's, it's in an environment or in a mindset of fear and doubt and uh, uncertainty. And uh, we can see here that in the beginning of Judges, you see in chapter 6, verse 1, that the Israelites committed sin yet again. And because they committed sin Yet again, the Lord put them in the hands of the enemy. In this particular portion of scripture, it was seven years that the Midianites were oppressing the children of God. And it, the Bible says that they destroyed all the harvest. They, they took all the increase. And when they came on the shores and when they came into the people of God's territory, there was no substance left. There, there was no sheep. There was no oxen. There was no donkeys. Uh, they totally uh, um, just destroyed every uh, socioeconomic um, category or facet with the people of God. They could not um, plant crops. They could not gain crops. They could not trade. They could not labor because that's what sin does. When sin enters, it brings forth death. And it was the, the oppressed state that these people were in that um, it got to the point that they were greatly, as the Bible says, they were greatly impoverished they 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 were such in poverty um they 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 developed a mindset of staying in that impoverished state can i stop here and tell you that that's how spiritual oppression works it will strip this away and that away and it's not necessarily there on Sunday morning or on the Wednesday night service but it lurks in your bedroom, it lurks in your house and it waits for you to come back to this state of mind and this state of being and this state of living and after it's taken that, after it's taken the donkeys, after it's taken the sheep, after it's taken your job, your marriage, your relationships, your your walk with God, eventually you will adopt the environment you've been dwelling in. They were in spiritual oppression here tonight, folks. It was not an easy thing to deal with. This was something they brought upon themselves, but it did not negate the fact of what they were going through. Oppression is not a good thing to deal with here today. In 2022, we have people coming to church, uh, feeling at ease, feeling liberty, and feeling the presence of God, but the moment they walk out of the doors, they go to the same state of mind, the state, the same state of thinking. They go to what we like to call stinking thinking. They walk in the same doubt. They walk in the same fear. It's called spiritual oppression. Spiritual oppression always wants to keep you in the environment that it has you in. 
Come on, somebody. Spiritual oppression will always like you to think the same thoughts, do the same things. It doesn't want you to grow. It doesn't want you to live in victory. It doesn't want you to live in the perfect divine will of God. It doesn't want you to be prosperous here today. But we must be aware as children of God that oppression does not belong with me. find here that a nameless prophet is sent to the children of God. He tells them what they did wrong. He tells them it was sort of like the judgment of God was being executed on the people of God. But can I tell you, wherever there is the judgment of God, there's mercy and truth that follows. Come on, somebody. Wherever there is sin abound, there's grace that abounds much more. Wherever there is a lowly state of mind, wherever there is poverty, there is a greater hope that this will be turned around and this is not the final say of this story. Come on, does Zanesville believe that here today? Does the communities around Zanesville believe that here today? That we will not stay in the state of oppression. We see here that there's a man, a man that, that was chosen by God. He was found by an oak tree. He was a son of Joash, and it was his name was Gideon. Gideon was uh, um, um, a very fearful individual. And when the angel of the Lord found Gideon, he was in a hiding place. He wasn't in a secret place with the Lord. He was in a hiding place from the enemy. He was living a life of fear. He was living a life of doubt. He was, he was living a life of inadequacy. And the word of the Lord came unto Gideon. I'm so glad here today that when we hear the word of the Lord, a lot of times it comes to where we're at. Woo. It doesn't come to you sometimes when you have all the money in the bank or all the bills are paid off or you have everything on your life's bucket list checked off. The children are saved. The marriage is good. The job is good. The pay is good. It comes to where you're at. And it'll even reach to the very lows of your life. It doesn't matter how impoverished you may be. It doesn't matter in what poverty or state of loneliness you are or isolation. The word of God is like the voice of God. It will pierce every element to get to where you're at. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and the angel of the Lord came unto Gideon. And the word of the Lord came to him. And the message was, Thy might, that mighty man, a man of valor, you see, his current state did not represent the destiny that was over his life. I'll say that again. His, his current doings and what he was hiding from and, and how he was living did not match up with the prophecy that was over his life. And that's how God is with this church and individuals in this church. That you may seem like, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm stuck and I'm constantly living day after day, uh, uh, living in fear and living in doubt and living in a state of inadequacy I know I heard pastor preach about it for the last 10 years I know I heard every prophet come behind this pulpit and speak about it and talk about it but every time I go home I'm still living in this state of fear in this state of doubt in this state of being insecure but praise be to God when the Bible says even when we deny him he abided faithful for he cannot, he cannot deny himself. Woo. Let me stop here and tell you that every prophecy is spoken. It does not die. Prayers do not die. Prophecy do not die. That which comes from heaven, that which is born of the spirit, that which comes from God, it's forever settled in the universe, in the heavens, in the cosmos. You can't erase it. There's no enemy that can do anything with the prophecy and the promises of God. 
Gideon questions this angel. He questions the Lord. He says, it was not a questioning of if he forgotten what has God has done to his forefathers. Not sure if it was reminded or passed down from generation to generation or the prophet of God that recently came by reminded this individual of what was going on and why they were in the state they were. It wasn't a question of what God done in the past. It was a question of why now. It was a question of why are we in this current state? Let me pause here and tell you the reason why the world is the way it is today. It's not because of a political party. It's not because of a president or a nation or evil kings or queens. It's one problem. It's called sin. And we can't, as the body of Christ, divide lines between us because I vote for him or he votes for that. It doesn't really matter. It's one thing that will take care of sin, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord says, walk in this might. You will save Israel, Gideon. And he asked him this question. Have not I sent thee? You see, insecurity has a voice. A lot of times it speaks up when promise is there. Insecurity has a voice. A lot of times when it tries to say its part, it tries to speak up, it's part of the debate. It's when destiny is present, when prophecy is present, when the heavenly host is present. You see, it was, it was this impoverished state that Gideon lived in because, remember, he, was, he came from the father's house of Manasseh. Manasseh means to neglect. It means to forget. Can I remind you here today that Manasseh was one of the sons of Joseph and it was the oldest brother that was not chosen for the ultimate blessing uh, from uh, the grandfather. But it did not mean Manasseh was not going to be great. Just because things did not align the way you wanted to does not mean things are not going to be great. Last time I checked, every son of Joseph and the offspring, they would bear fruit. Uh, They would bear much fruit. And there was nothing that would stop them bearing fruit. Manasseh, I'm neglected and I am forgotten. It was this environment and this mindset of being neglected and forgotten. It ate its way through his chest and through his soul until it planted seeds of doubt. It planted seeds of insecurity. It planted seeds of fear. And now for his whole life, without even knowing, he was an individual living in insecurity. The Lord still questioned him. Gideon, have not I sent thee? Moses, did I not make your mouth? Jeremiah, you're not too old to be a prophet. There's got to be something on the inside of every single person here today. It does not matter if you're a preacher or a worship leader or just a regular saint that comes to church on a faithful basis. We all have a past to deal with. We all have struggles and weaknesses and insecurities. But there's got to be a question that echoes in the very corridors of our soul. There's got to be a question. Did not God speak to me and has not God sent me? He said, I am the least in my father's house. 
Hi. Not only is my tribe and my family, my generations, not only are they forgotten, but I am the very least of them. I am the very neglected. I am the very low. I am the, I am the most insecure, the most inadequate. I, I am not gifted. I am not called. I, I, I'm not this, this, or that. But there's got to be something in Gideon here tonight. There's got to be something that shifts that say, you know what? It was an angel that came to me, and there was a God that spoke to me. I can't let the voice of inadequacy speak any longer, but I got to cut it off, and I got to walk in the destiny and the prophecy that's over my life and is over my family's life. This doubt and this fear uh, gripped him so much. But I believe in that conversation, I believe when the Lord questioned him there that night, when the Lord questioned him there in that portion of scripture, it, it was Gideon that something began to spark on the inside of him. He went to the kitchen, gathered an animal, some unleavened cakes and and, 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 and a bucket of broth and, and, and got all this substance and all this material. You see, folks, it, it wasn't like he, he, he went from that moment and the angel disappeared and he just ran in the kitchen and grabbed whatever he wanted. He was, he was sort of laying a fleece before God and, and saying, okay, if you really speak to me, I, I want you to perform this supernatural miracle in front of me. Anyone ever been there here today? He goes in that kitchen and... Man, you, you know, you got those people in your house that, you know, it, it's a bad thing when you've got different sleep schedules, okay? You know, if you're an early bird and your spouse is a night owl, get ready. That's all I can say. I'm up two, three hours sometimes before she wakes up, but I'm in bed two or three hours before she lays down. And there's a lot of times there's some late night cleaning in the kitchen. All this slamming of doors and pots and pans falling everywhere and this, the, the, the water running. And it's just, man, can I go to bed? Can I get some sleep? You know, it wasn't one of those moments. It wasn't like Gideon was throwing everything around. He was trying to, trying to find something real quick and I'm going to put it as an offering a sacrifice. No, Gideon knew who he was talking to. He was in the presence of the Lord. And it was Gideon that, that when he went back to wherever that substance was, he took his time, elder, gathering the substance. Because historians say that the meal he prepared for the angel was not just one meal, but it was enough for a man to feed for a whole day. And we find people that come the Sunday after Sunday, Bible study after Bible study, and you perform this, this great sacrifice of praise and worship. And you're in the prayer room, which is great. I'm not, I'm not devaluing that here today. We need that in the church of the living God. And you come to the prayer room an hour before service, and, and you read all your chapters, and you did everything right for the time is ready to leave the building go back to the same Gideon we once were. This, this, oh, this, this sacrifice of worship, it was a sacrifice, it was an offering he gave to the Lord, he gave to the angel of the Lord, but there was one leg as he's walking towards his destiny, there was still one leg that was locked, and it was insecurity, and it was doubt that had him bound. That's what insecurity is. Inadequacy is. I can speak on this behalf because I'm an individual of insecurity. I have many insecurities I've had to overcome, and I'm still overcoming some insecurities. But that's how it is for most of us, that we'll have one leg, one foot walking in the purpose of God. But there's another leg that is locked in and still filled with doubt. And, and it holds us back, and it holds us captive, and we cannot fully pursue the will of God. But there's got to be a shift in the church in this last day. And there's got to not be one preacher, but a whole body that begins to walk in the fullness of God's power and of his glory and of his purpose.
gives the sacrifice. God confirms once. He consumes the sacrifice. Gideon fully believes and fully understands that he's been in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord had to ease his doubts. He had to ease his fears. And he says, fear not, thou shalt not die. And that's in the midst of his built altar. He calls him Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Can I tell you, we need the Prince of Peace. And the only way you get the the Prince of Peace uh, is if you entertain uh, the presence of God because it's in his presence there is fullness uh, of everything that you need uh, to make it for your tomorrow it's in the presence uh, of the Lord uh, that you can conquer any fear in your life Gideon goes on and uh, because of this fear he still had it was the Lord's instruction to go to his own tribe, to go to his own people and cut down the idol for Baal. He didn't go in the middle of the day. He just admitted, I just met the Lord face to face. I, I just seen an angel face to face. I don't know about you, but I've never seen an angel. I, 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 I've, I've been, I felt them around. I, I've never seen one, but because of the inadequacy he came from, he's still something in him. Could not fully walk in the dominion and the authority God has already given him. He goes in the middle of the night when no one's watching. He's afraid of his life. He sees this idol of Baal and he hews it down and he cuts it. And it was, it was at that moment when they all rose and they woke up and they asked and they start talking among themselves. Uh, they, they come down to one person. It was Gideon. That tore down this idol that we've been worshiping for seven years. It was this very idol, this very idol. And his dad, Joash, spoke up and says, what's, what's the big deal? If Baal is so powerful, let him contend for that which was done. Let him fight against that which attacked him. It sort of was a mockery. It sort of was a, a defense of his father defending his child. But but he from that day he made him he named him Jerubba Baal. And, and it was just another name. Let Baal contend for Baal. And it goes on. And, and he's still walking somewhat in the purpose of God, but still battling with this inadequacy that he came from, this insecurity that was eating him from the inside out goes to the Lord prayer he says Lord I have this wolf fleece here if I, if I lay this down before you if I lay this wolf fleece down before you when I wake up the next day I want this fleece to be soaked with water but everything underneath of it to the left to the right front and back I want all the earth to be dry he wakes up and takes that fleece and he finds it soaked again and another confirmation from God. Another encounter from God. Another prophecy from God. And he, he, he wrings that fleece out and a whole bowl fills with water. And it goes on. And, and because, meanwhile, because he came from a state of feeling neglected. He goes to the Lord. Lord, listen, listen. I know you done, you know, ate all my lunch. I know, <laughs> I, I, and you, you supernaturally just, man, who's ever saw that? No water on the ground, but the whole mat was full of water. But, but if it really is the will of God for me to do this, let there be dew under the fleece. And for this wool to be dry. You see, that's what insecure individuals do. Constantly questioning the call over their life. Constantly questioning, am I really called of God? Am I really going to win a soul before my life is over? Am I really going to be able to teach a Bible study? 
Am I really going to be behind this sacred desk one day preaching to the saints of the living God? Am I really supposed to be here under this pastor, under this leadership, called by God? Am I really? And it wasn't really God. You see, part of what he came from hiding in that wine press, threshing that wheat, uh, God saw something inside of him. Some may have thought it was to be a coward to hide from the enemy, but it was very brave because he found enough substance to, to, to thresh it just to feed the surviving clan that was around him. Let me tell you here today, if you're under the sound of my voice, God wants you to do great exploits. God's seen something inside of us that no one else saw but only him. God's seen the purpose and the plan and the anointing and the giftings inside of us before anyone else noticed it. And it's all that it takes. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. If God purposed it, it's going to happen. You can take it to the bank because I come to tell you there is great things going to come out of Zanesville. It's going to come through us. This insecurity he had to fight through. It was this doubt he had to fight through. Because of time, I'm going to fast forward here tonight. In chapter 7 of Judges, the Bible says in verse 1, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon. Isn't it amazing? The moment you try to do something for God, you cut some things out of your life. Woo. You cut some things out of your circle. You push some distractions away. Come on, somebody. You adventure to live in a season of consecration like you've never lived before. You, you vow to pray like you've never prayed before. You vow to come to church more faithfully like you've never came before. And all of a sudden, you have another name tagged to you. It's this pressure that weighs on us. It's this, this expectation that begins to weigh on us because his father called him that name, but really his name is Gideon. But it was this name that the people called him because once you try to live godly, you're always going to have those thoughts. Who do you really think you are? Do you really think you're anointed? Do you really think you're a man or a woman of God? Do you really think you're a warrior in his kingdom? Who do you think you are? This is what they used to call you on the streets. This is what they used to call you when you were backslidden. This is what they called you when you didn't know anything from Adam. But I come to tell you here tonight, you've got to silence the voices of the enemy. It does not matter what hell calls you. It matters what God calls you. I'll say that again. It doesn't matter what hell calls you. It matters what the will of God is. Uh, and this individual was eventually going from insecure to confident warrior. This individual in his journey and his walk from God was eventually not living out of a lifestyle of doubt, but he was living in the divine steps of God's will for his life. He was no longer doubting what the purpose or the plan of God was, but he was now walking in the confidence that God has spoken over his life. We don't need to anchor church in 2023 next year to keep walking in, in insecurity or living in a state of inadequacy. We need a confident church that says, you know what? This church will be full. There will be sinners saved. There will be deliverance for the city of Zanesville. Come on, if you believe that here today, once you clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, if you believe there's purpose and prophecy over your life for the divine will of God, you better stand up on your feet and begin to amen the prophetic word here tonight. We will do exploits, we will win souls, and we will make disciples.
almost finished. He, he gathers these people. Oh, man. He, the Lord looks at this man. The Lord knows all the fears. Come on, somebody. You can't, out hide, you can't hide anything from God. He sees the inadequacies. He sees the insecurities. And he looks at Gideon and says, listen, this army you have, this army of 22,000, it's got to be filtered. You ever ask that question to God? Lord, I'm willing to do the will of God. I got everything ready. And all hell breaks loose in your life. Oh, all of a sudden we got issues now. Well, I'm reminded of scripture, the reason why. It's just for more God, for more of God to get the credit than for me to get the credit. He said, at least you claim that it was you out of your own hand that you took back the land or you defeated the Midianites. Lest you say my own hand have saved me. There's a reason why the apostle Paul said there's a thorn in my side. Because he, God had to make sure out of all the giftings, out of all the purpose and the revelation that he kept him down the planet earth. To know that in my weakness, in the much, much persecution, the distresses, the, the infirmities, uh, I know that the power and the strength of God is going to work through that. And the army goes down. Oh, people are fearful and afraid. And he asked them, he said, those that are afraid, those that are fearful, I want you to go home. It goes from 22,000. Oh, man. It, the, the list goes on. It goes from that all the way to 10,000. And now all of a sudden they're facing an army of 120,000 Midianites. 120,000 of the enemy. They now have 10,000 people. And the Lord pushes Gideon even more to walk in a state of faith and not in a mindset of doubt. And the Lord pushes him. He says, you know what? This is still too many people. I want you to go, and I want you to go down by this source of water. And, the, and I want you to take a pause in your journey. And those that, that dip themselves to this water with their face towards the water, those are the ones that you would send home. But those that take their hand and they dip it in the water looking forward and sip from that water, those are the men that are going to go to war with you. What's that trying to tell us? There's many speculation. The speculation is this. Those that have their head towards the water, they don't know what's in front of them. But the 300 that had their heads towards the purpose and the divine will of God, it didn't matter how low the number was, it's what God was going to use. It didn't matter, let me put it this way, it didn't matter how much sin was in the world, it doesn't matter what skin color or how many people or what age, if you have your eyes towards the kingdom of God, if you put your availability in his hands, that's what he can use. Music can come, please. Let's lift our hands and let's begin to pray. Lord, again, we're here. Thank God for God's long suffering. Thank God for his patience with our own fears and our own doubts. The Lord talks with Gideon again and says, But if thou fear, go down with your servant amongst the people, amongst my people, and just begin to hear what they have to say. It's going to strengthen you. Wait a minute. He's done showed me the fleece. He's consumed the offering. 
He's touched me on Sunday morning. He's touched me on Sunday night. I claim my healing then. I, I claim my call then, my anointing, this purpose. But oh, we walk out the same that we came in. But if thou fear, go, go to them and you're going to hear something. And there was this nameless person that, that had this dream of this barley, this barley loaf or cake. It, 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 was, it, was, it was very massive and it was coming down. And as it came down, it killed the enemy. It killed the, the very armies that defiled them, that oppressed them for seven years. And, and, and the interpretation came. Well, well it, they said it has to be Gideon. The victory belongs to Gideon. How would they know that? Ironically, the barley cake was a poor man's food. It was something that no one ever thought would be used by God. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You see, Jesus did not come in a palace. He did not come in a state of of all holy and power and authority. He came in the very lowly state of humanity. Uh, He came, he came in the very lowly state. He experienced everything you experienced here tonight. He's felt everything that you could possibly feel. He's endured the pain that some of you are enduring under the sound of my voice for a reason, to let you know that you can still be used by him. Getting you have to, it's time for you to get out of that inadequacy. It's time, church, we stop battling with it. We just cut it off and begin to walk in the divine will of God. Gideon gets word of the dream. Yeah, yeah. Let's go get them. Let's go take on the enemy. They take their their victuals and they they take their trumpets and they go and 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 three hundred of them. He divides them up and. And he says, the moment that you hear us shout, the moment that you hear us break, uh, break um, the, these, 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 these vessels, the moment that that happens, that's when we will shout uh, unto God. And God is going to give us the victory. Sometimes it, it, takes, it takes you speaking louder than your insecurity. Sometimes when, when you feel attacked and you feel neglected by God and you, you feel lonely and, and, and no use, you you got to say, no, no, no. His word says otherwise. Uh, I am a child of God. Uh, his seed shall never be begging for bread. Uh, I am more than a conqueror through God that loved me. See, you got to be somewhere with God. It says it does not matter what the world says. Uh, I am. I am in the will of God. I was praying here last night, and my prayer was this, and I'm done. Pastor Nehemiah, my prayer was, God, send some people an angel. Send them an angel confirming that they are supposed to be a conqueror in your kingdom. I said, God, send a messenger to walk up and down these rows and up and down these aisles and touch them on the shoulder and speak to them. You know, every prophecy you heard and every word that you heard from your pastor is going to come to pass. But I'm waiting, Gideon, for you to get out of this impoverished state. Oh, Gideon, I'm waiting for you to get out of this insecurity. I'm waiting for you to get out of this mindset and begin to walk in the will of God for your life. If we could stand. Bible says, Paul says, not many noble, not many mighty are called, for he hath chosen the foolishness things 
the foolish things to confound the wise. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where are they at? They called the apostle Paul. The philosophers, the Greek philosophers, he walked to them. He says, what is this babbler saying? You're going to have that here today. You're going to have those that look upon you and think that you're just some reject of society. And you'll never amount to anything. But there's one thing they will not be able to deny is that you've been with Jesus. There's one thing they will not be able to deny. The call of God on your life and the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. But there's one thing that's stopping you from being a conqueror and doing exploits for God. It's that nagging voice of insecurity. But it's time tonight, on a Wednesday night, that there's an individual that begins to run down this altar and says, You know what? I'm no longer to give in the voice of insecurity, but I am going to walk in the purpose of God. I am going to be a valiant warrior. I am going to believe every prophecy. I am going to believe in every prayer that I prayed. Come on, God is waiting for you to come here tonight. I don't care if you've been in church for 30 years or three minutes. There's a call of God in this place here tonight. No longer will I speak doubt. No longer will I speak fear. No longer will I dream disaster. But I'm going to dream destiny. I'm going to breathe calling. I'm going to speak purpose. I'm going to walk in the anointing. Preacher, I never invited someone to church before. This year is your year. I've never preached a five-minute sermon. Well, this year is your year. This year is your year. You know what God has spoken to you in the private moments of your life. You know what God has spoken to you in vision and dreams. It's time that you live it. It's time that you proclaim it. It's time that you walk in the dominion and the authority Gideon that has over your life. I wish somebody could reach high towards heaven and begin to shout and call on the name of the Lord. God, I don't care if I have to die in the service. I'm willing to tie to live the purpose of God. I'm willing to tie to walk in the authority and the prophecy spoken over me. If I can have the ministry help me pray here tonight. I know it's a Wednesday night. I know it's a Wednesday night and I know we're tired, but we're going to break through in the Holy Ghost here tonight. I need every minister to help me to be led here tonight and link up with someone. I need you to encourage somebody here tonight. I need you to speak life over somebody here tonight. I need you to proclaim prophecy over somebody here tonight. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. You will be an intercessor. You will be a prayer warrior. You will be one that can fast. You will be one that can witness. You will be one that can lay hands on the sick and they recover. You will be that one. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.